0: Hi, this is Amy Bowen. This is my Dog Days of Podcasting episode for Saturday, August 19th, 2017. Welcome to Episode 7 of Movie Chat with the Movie Night Crew. I am recording this live on Sunday night, August 13th, for release next Saturday, because I released my first Movie Chat episode of this year on a Saturday, so I guess that's my release day now. That's fine with me. It gives me all week to get it edited if I want to, and I'll do my best to do one every Saturday, at least this month, I hope, and and hopefully every Saturday... From now on or until I run out of materials, whichever comes first. Tonight's movie night feature is Paint Your Wagon. This is one I've been kinda of looking forward to for a while. <laughs> I only knew uh I, like many uh young people, only knew of it from the One Simpsons episode that it's featured in. So I only knew those do- those songs initially, until I started uh hearing some of the actual ones. Um, from being around my nerdy movie friends, and while we're on the subject, Ken, uh, do you have a little bit of introduction to this? This is as close as I can
1: get. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, uh, this is Stu. Uh, Paint Your Wagon was, came out in 1969. Just reading the title, it sounds like, like I'm telling a joke. It's a musical starring Lee Marvin and Clint Eastwood, both of whom are in a polyamorous relationship with a character played by Gene Sieber. Yeah, this is a real thing. I, this, I, I'm i not lying, lying lying a bit. As I'm doing research for, for this movie, it's interesting because my experience with this, I think, you know, Andy might vouch for me here, is I literally don't know anybody who doesn't like this movie. I mean, it's it's everybody I know who's, who's, who knows what Paint Your Wagon is loves the movie. Go online and I realize, as I probably should have anticipated, that it was just savaged by critics. They said it's a Neither one of these guys can sing. It doesn't work. Yada yada yada. But then it has a, a much better audience approval rating. Um, looking over some of the themes in the movie, I can definitely see why more modern audiences might have some issues with how gender is portrayed, um, how gender is, per- is performed, and and also with, with with musical quality. So this should be a, this should be kind of a challenging <laughs> a challenging watch actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, to see you know, how, what, what, do we, what do we think about this um, I'm going to argue just preemptively that as demeaning as the situation that Jean Se- the character played by Jean Seberg finds herself in I think she navigates it in a very interesting way and I think that the gender dynamics as barbaric as they may appear from a from a quick read uh, actually have a little more nuance than you might give them credit for uh, you, it, uh, if you look closely, I want to say a little bit about Gene Seberg because I assume you guys both know that pretty much anybody listening to this who's a movie fan mm-hmm. um, knows a good bit about Clint Eastwood and Lee Marvin already. Uh, Gene Seberg um, was the the object of a huge talent content, uh, contest to find the right person to play Joan of Arc in the late fifties, Oh, I and so did she not played that. played Joan of Arc in a movie called Saint Joan in the late fifties movie. Bombed like a like like he or she. <laughs>
1: um,
2: she did have a substantial role in another film we've seen, uh, in, uh, the Mouse that Roared. Yes. So that that was her, and, and then she made the films that she's best known for, the uh, uh, French New Wave uh, landmark film that we haven't seen yet. We we, that we made in the future called Breathless. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, people thought, well, okay, this is the now she's hit her stride and she's gonna she's gonna be a movie star. She's gonna be the next one of the next big things. And you know the honest to God truth is she never did. Uh, through this fit, hmm. she worked steadily through the '60s, but never, never had a lot of success. Most of her films were failures, and this is one of them. This movie did not make a lot of money at the box office. The only film she made in her career after Breathless that did well financially was um, one of the airport movies, which, which has just one well, of these star-studded vehicles. People did. Uh, she also she found herself involved in a lot of very sensitive uh, political situations as well. Hmm. Um. She under investigation by the FBI for ties to the Black Panthers and any number of other um, very regrettable situations. And largely through the stress of not realizing her professional expectations and being under public indictment for her association, she ended up uh, killing herself at the age oh, of 40. Wow. Oh, wow. So it's kind of a – there, there's actually a pretty good documentary about her that it played at the, Jocelyn, at the Jocelyn Art Museum a few years ago. Um, that, okay. I, that, I do, that I do recommend. So it's a, it's a fascinating um, life in cinema. Mm-hmm. I think she does very well in Paint Your Wagon. Honestly, it's a very she plays, it's a very underplayed mm-hmm. role, but I think she um she inhabits the character very well, and it's a more fascinating character than you might think at, at, at first blush too. So anyway, that being said, I've I've always okay. I've always like my dad and basically like said, most people I know, I've always loved this movie. It's a mm-hmm. rollicking little movie. Um, doesn't take itself too seriously at all. Um, if I just I'm not gonna tell you how it ends, but if I were to describe the ending, you'd you look at me like, what drugs are you taking? <laughs> um, let, let's let's just say it involves an animal in a place that animals don't usually end up. <laughs> okay. and, oh my <laughs> and uh, with and, and and with that, hope we enjoy Paint Your Way.
0: Yep, and one yeah. more thing. Actually, when you brought it up at the beginning that you, if you just said the title, you thought it was a joke. So did I, actually. I thought it was a joke that the writers of The Simpsons came up with Mm. until it came up in the context of movie night. And when I realized, oh, there's actually is a real movie. So now I get to see it. This is going to be fun. Perhaps we'll record some commentary afterwards. Here we go. Hi everybody, this is Amy Bowen. We just got finished with, uh, Paint Your Wagon. That was a really weird movie, but it was really fun. I liked it. I'm glad we watched it. I laughed a few times. I had a lot of fun. I did end up, like, like Stu speculated I would, I did indeed end up singing along quite a bit. And we were just talking about how, uh, how influential this movie was, especially in terms of its characters. Uh, please go ahead, Nissa.
1: So, I grew up watching a lot of cartoons where they're basically imagery was a really big thing. Mm-hmm. Just watching this movie, I noticed that a lot of imagery came from this movie. Such as, uh, there's the whole Scrooge McDuck and Gold Fever thing that oh, came there. through. Um, there's... Uh, Cookie from Atlantis, yes. and the scene where, uh, I can't remember who Lee's character was off the top of my ben, head. Ben Robinson. Yeah, yeah Ben. Yeah. Ben leaves the cabin in the middle of the night in his red drawers and a shotgun. Mm-hmm. And that imagery, they basically took that image and put it into Atlantis yes. at one point, you where know, the tents gonna, are all on fire yeah. and Cookie just pops out with a shotgun and is like, Who do I need to shoot? Um, (laughs) But just like things like that, and it just triggered lots of memories. And it's like, they all kind of got it from here. Or at least this influenced it enough where it was something that was common with like Western characters, or characters that were looking for gold, uh, going out and pioneering, and things like that. So. That's a very good point i think you're probably i think
0: you're probably right i thought the characters reminded me of people i knew too uh mr you know the way ben rumson uh lee what's the guy's name lee marvin Marvin. the way he talks just the the sound and the pitch of his voice and the inflections he use um my current instructor over at the community college sounds a lot like that it's really (laughs) neat (laughs) And I like it. I really like him. I really like his class. I loved the soundtrack to this movie. It was really good. If I had the capability to, well, I could. If I want to buy more songs, I gotta start buying them on a new platform. But, but I, but eventually, I really do want to buy some of the songs from this movie. And the other things we th- thought about were. That was a weird movie, but I liked it. <laughs> kind of a bittersweet ending, which I liked. I I don't think the singing was as bad as the critics say.
2: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just, Seriously, I mean, I'm...
1: Yeah, that's
2: right. I'm comparing it to Fiddler on the Roof, for example. Yeah. You know, it had a lot of people that didn't have um, the best voices in the world, but that wasn't the point. It was the, no. the songs were there to... To move, to move the story forward mm-hmm. and uh, add a different, you know, uh, let, layer of, of color to the mm-hmm. um, to, to, to the production. No, I've, I've always enjoyed it, especially given that, it was, it's kind of like I'm, when we watch Breakfast at Tiffany's and we talked about how Moon River only has one octave plus one note and so it was mm-hmm. all very singable.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's not, they, they weren't challenging songs. These are songs that a group of essentially non-singers mm-hmm. could handle.
0: Yeah, you know you're right and that's absolutely true and yes they are comparable sound tr- soundtracks kind of in a way now that you mention it there were the I there's just something about the the way these songs are arranged and composed um the one where about the stage where everyone is singing all excited about the stagecoach coming to town I I started singing the Wells Fargo wagon yeah. from the music, man. the music man yeah and the sweet romantic ballad before that um when ben goes away for a few days to hijack said stagecoach and partner whose actual name i will not tell because it's a surprise at the end he does have an actual name partner as he's called throughout most of the movie and elizabeth are bonding and he's played by clint eastwood uh Sings this romantic love ballad, and I could not help but think of "Till There Was You" from oh, The Music yeah. Man.
2: Yeah, I, I I talk to the trees, but they don't listen to me. Yeah, yet. that one. Well, the the um the, the, this is a Learner and Low musical with a, with additional uh, music by Andre Previn, so it sure has the um it sure has the pedigree. Let me look at mm-hmm. the the Music Man real quick and see Learner and Low did, did they do the music for the Music
0: Man also? Not, I have no idea.
2: Well, you know what? Well, I have this handy dandy <laughs> device in my hand.
0: Has the internet. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And as while you're looking things up, I'll stall for time by saying at the beginning they, somebody had a newspaper about uh California becoming a state. So I got curious, and somebody asked me, "Hey, hey, you're you're a California girl. So does that make this 1850?" And I said, "Uh, I think that's right. I had to look, and yes, indeed, it was uh September 9th." 1850, to be specific.
2: He's a music man. Yeah, He's a what? He's a music man. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Sales and, and no, job. no, the, the no. music
2: in that movie was by Meredith Wilson. So no, there's uh, no. yes. There, so maybe learned right. Low and Previn did a little little borrowing, which Previn, as a composer and uh, as a well-known conductor and arranger, may be um, apt to do. Not unlike Mr. Williams once in a while.
0: <laughs> yep. Okay. Anything else we want to say before we call it a night?
2: Yep. Other than the, I mean, if you're looking for something just little off kilter,
1: yeah, you
2: have to watch sometime, and you're and you're like, oh, what the heck, a two and a half hour musical with Clint Eastwood and Lee, Lee Marvin, Marvin singing
0: set,
2: set in the old West <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: that
2: violates numerous social norms and standards,
1: mm-hmm. and that
2: sounds like like your thing. By gum, <laughs>
1: Paint Your
2: Wagon is a great movie. That's absolutely right. And you think
3: it was wacky enough. <laughs> for, for Clint Eastwood, and Lee Marvin, you go in you, because I think of Lee Marvin. I think of, I think Donovan, Donovan's Reef. I think of some of his later stuff like Death Hunt and uh, and um, Death. Uh, see Death Hunt, and he's in um, Big imagine, Red One. Big
2: Red One, yeah.
3: And so I kind of imagine a little more of this scenery chewing Lee Marvin, and he chewed the scenery a lot here, but. Not nearly, and not nearly as much as you think. <laughs> and then Clint Eastwood just playing
2: it straight as can be for the most part. Well, don't you think he was just confused out of his mind for the most for the most of the movie? Mm-hmm. He, he, he just had a, He looks like He it, kind
1: yeah. of had the feel of a cherry boy.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, he went for the
3: entire movie, just kind of like, kind of, just kind of like Ben's boot heel, just, just, just kind of. Going along with whatever Lee Marvin wanted to do, like, oh, you're going to drink half a town? Well, all right. <laughs> and I mean, that, from the, he, he telegraphed from the very beginning, boy, I'm going to have some melancholy and I'm going to need someone to pick me up. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what he was for the entire movie. Whenever Ben had a bad moment of insanity, depression, of any kind of mental health, mm-hmm. uh, partner was right there going like Ben, it's okay, we got to keep going. And yep. that's even prevalent with, with Elizabeth. Every time Elizabeth comes down on a partner to her, they're going, whoa, 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 that's my brother you're messing
2: with. That's right.
3: Although mm-hmm.
1: each time that Ben said something about um, like terrible about Elizabeth, the partner was just kind of like, oh, um, you should probably not. Which didn't happen that often. Yeah,
3: but it kind of seems like a healthy relationship for the most part. That's kind of why so. the it kind of said... It's, it's interesting that the moral of the story is almost that this can't work. Like, that uh-huh. seems the way the movie mm-hmm. kind of implies. like, well, okay, people can get together and people can live like this for a while, but eventually some someone's going to rub someone the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And it's going to break apart. But for the most part, except for the outside forces, there's nothing... That should really be tearing this relationship apart.
0: That's right, absolutely.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I, in fact, I, I wonder about that with some of the, because I do have, well, I've i I've a few friends who are who are poly, who are polyamorous. It would be interesting if I were to, if a couple of those would have just happened to show up tonight because they're because <laughs> they're on the the invite list. I'll tell you that right now, just to to give their their insight into how this mm. how closely this film mirrors their own relationship. Yeah. I imagine not terribly well, but
0: hey, you never know. Yeah, it certainly would have been very interesting to talk about.
1: Or very awkward.
0: Or very, yeah, or very awkward. That's absolutely right. The theme music for Movie Chat with the Movie Night crew is Look Busy by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and the whoosh transition was JetWoosh.Wave by Ben Bonken, which is available via freesound.org and is licensed under a Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.